and gentlemen, By the Numbers is back here on CKCC Radio, bright and early here on a Monday morning. My name is Matt Durline. Welcome back to the third season of the show. We have a lot of good stuff lined up for this season. Joining me here today, a man who has been put over on at least 50% of the episodes of this show, at least, if not more. A man I consider a good friend of mine, one of the best people I've met in the pro wrestling business for sure, the Chopsaw Outlaw, half of the True Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Bo Nakoda. Bo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I guess that means the other 50% of the people shit all over me then. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> just, yeah. The mathematics um, sense. No, but hey, hey, man, thanks for having me. Of course. A little peek behind the curtain here. Bo is not very technologically savvy. <laughs> that's, that's an understatement, but yeah. So when I met Bo... Like a decade ago, he still yeah. had a flip phone. It was a uh, I called I call it a slider phone, like one of them ones that you flip on its side, and then when you you pull up on it, like there's a hidden keyboard <laughs> underneath. So I always called it a slider phone. But yeah, I had that probably till about 2016, and then I ended up getting a smartphone. So I, I knew I was in trouble with this when he said to me in a text earlier, <laughs> "I think I'm logged in." Yeah. It said I was logged in on the bottom, so. And I got, I'm ready, but I don't know how to turn on the Skype. The Skype, yeah. <laughs> you walked me through it. We got through it together, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, before we get started, Bo, give a brief introduction of yourself in the wrestling business. My name is Bo Nakoda. I am from the South Central Pennsylvania area, more or less born and raised. Um, I've been in, in independent wrestling about 11 years now. Um, and I got started at the Wild Simone Training Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania in June or July of 2010. It was one of them months that was hot and began with a J. And then I debuted officially in February of 2011. And now I'm here with you. <laughs> and that's the podcast. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good night. <laughs> <laughs> so in doing my research, I realized that I had worked a lot more matches with Bo than I really thought I had and I, I talk about how like I've worked like I had the Diamond City War Machines on and that took two full episodes uh-huh. to cover the literal 20 years of matches I've worked with Brad and Eric I was like okay did you get so, a final count on how uh, many they were with me I can but I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do that right now uh, later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe by the end of it God, I didn't but, know if you did it at that already or not so no I mean I could yeah. but you know, it's a bunch. So yeah, we've got more than a bunch. We we have like a decade's worth of matches to talk about here. And I'm pretty excited because you were actually a big part of my career through many different time periods, like sections of my career, like okay. the WXW time and then the GSW yeah. time. And now into true wrestling as well, yes. because I had been with WXW for about five years when you debuted. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then was there for about another five years until a little bit after Avery turned one was when, was when I stopped being on those shows. Yeah. Okay. So still a lot to talk about here and we don't mess around. Uh, and we're going to like right out of the gate, we've got some, some good stuff to talk about here. And before we do that, if you're listening, 
some of these, some of the GSW matches we're going to talk about, and some of the true wrestling matches that we're going to talk about, you can see on independentwrestling.tv. And if you're a new subscriber, use the code word NUMBERS, N-U-M-B-E-R-S. Right now, there's not any kind of deal that goes along with it that may start again in the future. But at the very least, it'll let Jerry know that you came to him by listening to By the Numbers here on CKCC Radio. So the first match that we work together, you're working Lance Anawaii, the son of the great Samu. Yes. yes. And there are four singles matches that you work with Lance over a period of three and a half years, or two and a half years, really, for us to discuss here. So we're going to talk about December 10th, 2011, in Allentown at the awesome Mountainville Memorial Hall, uh, match 557 in the book. What was it like working with Lance? Well, when I had started in Allentown, Head Shrinker Samu's son, Lance, I think started maybe two or three months before I officially started because he had just turned 18. And he's been around the business his whole life, like rolling around the rings and stuff his whole life. But he was finally able to, I guess, legally start doing like all the drills and the and the bumps and and everything else and uh w- when I started there there wasn't that many people in the class and I would always find myself paired up with Lance doing drills or spots or whatever and I think Samu saw something there and through training together and doing everything together the natural progression was eventually start a feud with Lance on his shows on his WXWC4 shows and My character at the time was a goofy, almost cartoon version, I think, of like a lumberjack, if you would say (laughs) that or not. It was almost like a cartoon version of one. Because I remember at the time, what was the guy's name in, in, I think, Chikara? Phyllis Lumberjack. Grizzly Ragged, right? Yes. He he was more of, I guess, like a a realistic one, I guess, when people think of like a stereotypical lumberjack. But uh, I was a logger. Um, in my personal life for about four and a half years, a legitimate logger. So once the booking team found out about that, they just suggested you should just be this lumberjack character. And me being so young and just wanted to get experience and be on shows, I said, oh, yeah, okay. You know, I don't care. I just, I just wanted to be a part of it. And um, that's the gimmick that I started out at with a freaking axe and a hard hat and everything. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was brought to our attention right before – I started feuding with Lance that apparently I was undefeated. I guess I had an undefeated streak. So that's the story that we started to tell over the course of I don't know, four or five months, maybe. But this, this uh, first match that you mentioned there in 2011, at the end of it, I do remember I thought it was a really cool idea at the time. I don't know if you remember this. I did a spot where I crawled under the ring three times. Do you remember that or no? Yes. And then I tricked him the first time, I tricked him the second time, and then he finally caught on to how I was, what I was doing when I was under there, like how, how I would turn and come out. And he took a step back and he was young and I guess all of his, or most of his, some of his high school friends were there. So anytime that you faced Lance, whenever he would wrestle, you'd always get the biggest crowd reaction of the night because they all just came to see him. And, uh, the third time he got me and I just remember the crowd really giving a big pop on that. And then we had him hooked. And then uh, we were going towards the finish, and I don't remember whose idea it was. And at the time, I really liked it. <laughs> but you were doing the three count, and you got to one, you got to two. And instead of kicking out, I guess I just I, I grabbed it. And I guess it ended in a DQ. 
Q is the official ruling. Yeah, because but, you grabbed my hand and you stopped yeah. me from counting. Yeah. Now, and, why I couldn't just say that was three? Or why why did I, as the heel, have the strength to grab your hand but not raise a shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. But, yeah, I, I mean, I liked it because it added more spice to the story. And then at the end of it, they announced that our next match, I think, would be for the first ever WXWC4 television champion. And I was I was actually really proud to be considered to be good enough to be in that match with him the next month. So And I did like that finish a lot because it was different like Sean Cradle yeah. had been your manager and I, I think he was your, your manager at this point even. Yeah, no and, he was not. Not oh, at this not point yet? he wasn't. No, not at this because, point. Because like it could have been like, oh, um someone pulls me out of the ring or oh like you, you, like, like something stupid happens, but no, you caught my hand and you yeah. kept me counting three. So you, ha- so you officially had a loss because you had been undefeated, but you had not been pinned. That's correct. Yes, and then I remember the crowd was all pissed off about it. So it, it uh, got the the goal over of you know they wanted to see more the next month, and especially for a new championship that they were going to introduce. So oh, kill the ref guy wanted to kill me legit. <laughs> Why's that? Well, because of what you did, and clearly it's my fault to kill the ref guy. To paint a picture for anyone listening at home, kill the ref guy was this older dude who had a shirt that said kill the ref, and he brought, like, a really flimsy Singapore cane with him. Okay, yeah, the dude, the dude, uh, yeah, the Santa Claus beard. Yeah, the Santa Claus beard. <laughs> And he looked like he had been rolling around in a coal mine. Yes, but he'd never showered or whatever. I remember that yeah. guy. Yeah. So kill the, <laughs> kill the ref guy. Yeah. And, like, he was a nice guy. He gave me a ton of shit all the time when I was reffing. Yeah. And, uh, like, I'd go away for a couple months because I, I had bookings all over the place. And every time I came back, he'd be like, oh, kill – oh, Matt's back. Time to start chanting kill the ref again. He, he was a treat. It, that place had some uh, colorful characters in the audience. It, it did, and it was one of my favorite. Remember the Water Boys? Do you remember the Water Boy? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Mountainville was one of my favorite buildings, and we'll talk about some some great buildings in our career later on. But we're gonna move north here a little bit, and you are now going one on one in German Pennsylvania, uh, up here by up here by me at a little punk rock club called Eleanor Rigby's. This is in the back room in like a gym area. Yeah, I remember the it being like a, a sporting, not equipment area, but they had like gym mats and all kinds of sporting stuff there. So, yeah, and on the other side was the little punk rock club. Like I've seen Newfound Glory there and the Ataris. Okay. I've, I've I've seen some good bands there, but on this night, May nineteenth, twenty twelve, you went one on one with Mikey Valentino in match five eighty eight, and Mikey, Mikey was a very underrated wrestler. Oh uh, yes, I would agree with that. Um. Uh, Lance, Mikey, these are two people, especially in my earlier years, that I'd have a lot of runnings in, run, run-ins with, um, on shows and stuff. And Mikey was one of those core members of the Samoan Training Center that I would train with all the time. Lance, Mikey, if you remember Naya, Sergeant, Sergeant RJR, AC Anderson, these were all the people that helped train me. And I always felt comfortable, especially in those earlier years, like, Getting on a show, 
and doing it in front of a crowd with somebody that I was comfortable with and trained with on a regular basis. And Mikey was legit, um, especially from like a storytelling standpoint and psychology. I remember it wasn't this match. I'll get back to this match, but it wasn't this match, but I had a horrible match with him. And it was a hundred percent my fault because I, at the time really didn't grasp ring psychology and he did. And he was walking me through it the whole time. But on this one, I remember it was a really solid match. I want to say, I don't remember. I think he, I don't remember how it ended, but I think there was a, a flip pile driver in there. Was there not? Or do you remember? I do remember the uh, Canadian destroyer being. Yes. In there. Yes. Okay. Is that how he won? I believe so. And it was before everyone was doing them like as falsies or transition moves or. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And then I guess Nui came down at the end and they were in a feud with them or something. But this is, uh, I had just lost that, that match I was talking about earlier for the television championship with Lance a month or two earlier. And now my, uh, undefeated streak was officially over. So from this point on, I was just going out there and having matches with, uh, guys on Samu shows and just trying to do the best we could. But yeah, like you said, uh, Mikey, very underrated. Um, I don't know. I don't know whatever happened to him or anything. I don't ever really see his name out there anymore, but I hope he's doing well. <laughs> I hope he is, too. So you talked about now you're just having matches and getting into the swing of things. A big thing in WXW at this time was the six-way elimination match. Oh, God. And we are in Barnesville, Pennsylvania, in this really nice building. I was like... It's like a ballroom with like a, a it, pool hall in the back. And like it's in the sorts. middle of nowhere. It was in the middle oh, yeah. of nowhere, just like in the middle of a field. It came out of nowhere on the on the high, not the highway, but the road there, and it looked like it was straight out of a horror movie. But it was very spacious on the inside. <laughs> it was a nice place, and in this nice place, in match five ninety seven in the book, you have a six way match where you are wrestling Tuck Hansen, Andy Henner. Mikey Valentino, Luca, and Marcus Streets. Oh, man. I remember this kicked the show off. It was the first one on the show. It was the first time that my brother ever saw me wrestle live. He was actually there. It's the first time I ever met, I think, Tuck Hansen and Andy Hedder. I don't think I ever met them before that night. And it was just one of those everybody get in, do your shit cluster matches. And I'll be honest, I don't even know who won. Do you remember who won? Oh, no, I don't keep track of the winners and losers. I just write down what the matches are. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, no, I don't remember who won, but uh, whatever happened to Tuck Hansen? He, does he, he doesn't wrestle anymore, does he? He no longer wrestles. Uh, he lives, like, in the Harrisburg area. He's not doing bad. I talk to him every once in a while. Oh, okay. And then uh, Luca, I, yeah, he was another person at the Wild Smoke Training Center that would always always be there, too. But uh, I don't I don't know whatever happened to him. Oh, no oh. idea. And he had, yeah, like... He was a character, man. He was a character. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. And he had, oh, like, yeah. the, the older guy with the whip and the cowboy hat as his manager. Uh, Co- Coyote Carl. Yes. Coyote Carl. Coyote that was his Carl. name. Yeah. <laughs> um, And Heather has been on this show before, and I talked to Heather, like, so frequently at this point. Yeah. Well, that was the first time I met him, so, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I get a little peek behind the curtain. This was, like, your first experience with this, like, six-way scramble cluster kind of deal, and you were not impressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wrestling's supposed to be fun. It really 
really wasn't this one really wasn't fun just because not because of the people that were in there it just seemed like a headache from the second i found out i was in it to the end of it but you know you just got to go out there and just try everyone try to their best part in it so and, and they do get easier as you go along like you you learn all the moving parts yeah oh yeah because again i was I, well i was a year maybe a year into doing shows and yeah i didn't i didn't grasp the full the full on psychology of it just yet for for a match like this but yeah yeah you're right but that's okay because we do move along here and now you're teaming with Nui Tafiga yes. and we are in Lansford Pennsylvania at the Panther Valley High School uh you're taking on AC Anderson and Havoc in match 608 on September 1st of 2012 yes well i got to backtrack just a second here the the next day after the Barnesville match that we just talked about was Sports Fest, which was an annual outdoor show um, at some park in Allentown. And I remember they didn't know what they were going to do with me in the company. And Sean Cradle went up to Samu and said, let me manage him. I want to be his manager. And from there, I was off to the races. I've had conversations with Sean about it and uh, several of them. And I can't explain it, and neither can he, but whenever they paired me with Sean, I just started to get it. Everything started to make sense. I was very nervous going out doing shows. I needed the experience, but I was just uh, like self-esteem issues or self-confidence issues, rather. And once they paired me with Sean, and he was my manager, and he was on the floor every match I had, it just clicked, and I got it, and I was comfortable. And um, this match that you just mentioned, though, in Lansford, when I teamed with Nui, this was, uh, we were in a faction at the time called the Cradle Collective, was the name of it. And we weren't an official team. It was just like a match to have on a travel show, but like we were in the same faction. I loved teaming with Nui. I loved facing Nui. I love everything about Nui. Give me more Nui. He's like one of the nicest people I've ever met in wrestling. Very easy to work with. He helped me out a lot because he had a lot more experience. And then we faced, uh, Anderson and Havoc and Havoc was, a uh, a veteran at the Gary wasn't green by any means. He was he was uh very well seasoned, but like I said, AC Anderson or Gary was one of the people from the Wasmo Training Center that I saw all the time and trained with all the time. I remember I want to say it was for the tag team titles because I think they were the champions. That uh, sounds familiar, yeah. And it was just it's meant to be just like a really good back and forth match um for the audience. Uh we me and we didn't win obviously, but yeah, I just I I really wanted before he hung it up, I guess he hung it up. I wanted to face AC Anderson one on one because I thought that he was, he really got it from storytelling and psychology perspective. And I learned a lot from him at the training center. Havoc would show up uh, from time to time, but he really wasn't, I mean, he was, you know, not training at the time because he was already established. And uh, I remember this match being really good. I remember being good, and I remember, like, these travel crowds that we had, especially when we went to, like, Snitsky's home area, because this is one of those shows that was, like, in Snitskyville. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, from that uh, area here. I guess he went to high school there. Here's a fun fact for you, Matt. You know, you want to know who went to that high school right there? It was called Panther Valley High School. Yes. Who else went there? Who? Well, I know Gene Snitsky went there. Yes, but it's the same high school that my dad graduated from, too. No way. <laughs> yeah, small world, so yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. 
It is a small and, world when you think about stuff like that. But yeah, my dad went to that high school, so and very random that you wound up wrestling there. All those yeah, years yeah, that'd be really weird. Like if I was in high school and some magical wizard told me twenty five years from now you're gonna have a son and he's gonna be on a pro wrestling show in this high school. <laughs> it's a small world, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. And speaking of. You mentioned, like, you were starting to work out some of, like, the, the confidence issues. The next week, we're in Bloomsburg, and you have a singles yeah. match with Afa Jr. Uh, yes. It's September 8th, 2012. It is match number 612 in the book. And I remember this night for one really specific reason. Uh, um, all right. Well, uh, I, uh, I, I don't know what you're going to say. Go ahead. I remember you were feeling, like, really down about yes. the match. Yes. And Afa came over to me and said to me, Uh-oh. he listens to you, go talk to him, and tell him that he did well. Okay. He meaning you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he, he listens to you, so um, go talk to him, and let him know that he's doing a good job, and that he shouldn't beat himself up so much. I remember <clears throat> it was me versus him one-on-one. I think I, I was bummed out because there was a spot or something that it was my first, like, I muffed up, like, in the match. And specifically, I think he went to clothesline me. And I was supposed to duck. But instead, I took a ball. So he basically clotheslined air because he never connected with me. And it was 100% my fault. And in the moment, he was upset. Because I remember the shit chopped out of me in the corner for <laughs> a good 10 seconds. And then he calmed down. And then the rest of the match wasn't bad at all. It's just uh, it got into my head. That I did a horrible job in front of a live crowd, and it never happened to me like that before. And uh, yeah, I was really bummed. And I don't remember talking to you about it though. Uh, did you calm me down? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for that. But yeah, no, I just, I just felt like dog shit after it afterwards because of what I did to somebody that I respected. And, and you know, it was the Wild Simone Training Center. It was mostly Head Shrinker Samu that did it, but Alpha Jr. was there quite, you know, a, a lot as well, helping to train everybody. And I just felt like I let him down. But I went on to face him several other times before, and I think I've redeemed myself. I hope I have. Um, yeah, and, and the only other thing, Matt, is with that building, <laughs> it was at a uh, on Main Street, Bloomsburg there, and I was on the second floor. Of some, I just remember uh, setting the ring up and then tearing it down was a bitch. Just because of the staircase, the way the staircase was set I up. I remember that. That was awful. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a spiral staircase, but it was close to it, and like you had to angle all the beams and and shit. And it's just a forever. But yeah, that's what I remember. Bringing the ring up those stairs, it was a long day. Yes, it was. Um, I remember one of those Bloomsburg shows, we were driving out there. It was me and my wife, Ashley, and she had the, this tiny Chevy Aveo. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know what possessed us. I don't know if it was this Bloomsburg show or the next one that we're going to bring up here, because that's the next match. We all piled into her Chevy Aveo. Me, her, Eric Pinhat, AJ Evers, and Ref Jeff. Okay. <laughs> and... uh Ashley and I lived in Namakoke at that point. So, like, we lived the closest, and we had bigger cars to choose from, too. Why the hell did we take her car? I can't remember. But on the way there, we saw a guy very depressed leaving the Weiss supermarket in Nanakoke. Okay. He had his head, like, bowed in shame. 
as he was leaving Weiss. And then just outside of Shikshini, which is, uh, for perspective for anyone listening from outside the area, a little town between Wilkesbury and Berwick. And there is this, like, little apartment building that looks like it's kind of like a garage, almost. Uh-huh. And there's a, there's a man with no shirt, wearing a guitar, and whipping a belt at traffic. Okay. The things you see. But the biggest mystery to this story, Matt, is why was the, what wasn't on sale at the Weiss that really got the guy down? Oh, he was so upset. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been a decade. I'm sure he's turned it around by now. <laughs> so, February of 2013, now we are back at the Moose Lodge in Bloomsburg on Main Street with a very overpriced record store downstairs. I know this because they were charging an absurd amount of money for Clash records that should not have cost that much. Oh, I don't even remember there being a store down there. Yeah, there was a record store. Sadly, that okay. building that building has burned down since. Oh, okay. And that's a bummer, because I really liked that building for wrestling. But, you know, these things happen. Uh, in that building, on February 9th, 2013, you are back in the ring with Mikey Valentino in match 648 in the book. Well, the the one that we just mentioned with Alpha Jr. at that same building, it, at that time, I was the, the television champion. This match with Mikey, I think the week before, he actually beat me for the, the television title in a really good match in Allentown. Um, where there was, like, a time limit on it, and I ended up tapping with, like, 1.4 seconds left. And the crowd was super into it. So this, was, I guess, was my rematch. And um, I remember the crowd not being as big as it was the last time we were in Bloomsburg. But um, – and the ring. was it? I think it was a different ring because it felt different. I remember the dumbest things. I'm sorry. No. It, I remember just, one show – It felt different. We had the WXW ring. And then another show, we had what is now the Sanctuary ring. Okay, because I remember nobody could get their footing right, like, in that ring. It was all lumpy, added weird and lumpy, and I, didn't, I just remember that. But, um, yeah, it was Mikey's first title defense, my rematch for that television championship. And um, I always thought me and Mikey's best match was the week before. The That was, like, probably one of my favorite in Mountainville. But this was just a good, you know, back-and-forth match, you know, get my rematch but fail. And then Mikey was off to the races with that uh, title. So And again, this was another really solid match because Mikey was a really, like, sneaky good wrestler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could play both parts well, too. I mean, he was always babyface earlier on, but even with heel, he was just phenomenal. Both both sides of the coin. Great. And another guy who had seen both sides of the coin many times in WXW is your next opponent here on the list. Match 705 in Orwigsburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's August 4th, 2013, and you are wrestling Brandon Scott. So, um, my first show that I ever did, I was a student at, and it was, uh, it was Sports Fest 2010, and I'm sitting there doing the security thing, you know, as most students do, making sure people don't, like, hop off the rail or whatever, and, uh, during one of these matches, somebody takes, like, a big back body drop, like, on the grass right in front of me, and it had this, like, sickening thud, like, I could feel, like, all the air leave the guy's lungs, and then after the show... I, I was shaking his hand goodbye, and I said, hey, man, you know, you all right? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, that, that big uh, bump you took on outside, and oh, you really got hurt. He goes, yeah, man, it's what I do. And, like, he shook my hand all lightly and just walked away. And I was like, dude, I hate this guy. <laughs> Scott. But he was much 
in a year back then, and I don't know, but I've known him for years and years and years. And um, with Lance and with Brandon, especially any match that I've ever had with either of those two guys in any promotion in any year has always been really, really good, if not great. Like even my worst match, I don't know what my worst match against Brandon would be, but even that match would be really, really good. Like me and him just clicked. And a lot of times, the, the end result is always in any match that I have with Brandon. Sometimes it's a little bit of a headache to get to the end result because he likes to uh, make sure that there's a lot of stuff in there. But when I watched, I could watch this match back, and it's I love it every single time. And it was in Oregsburg. I was there with Sean Cradle. I remember it was a Sunday show, which really pissed me off. And... We had a show, me and Brandon wrestled somewhere the night before on a Saturday, and I didn't get any good sleep in the hotel, and um, I was just tired of shit, and this was probably one of my favorite matches I've probably ever had. You could see me with a full head of hair, which is very rare, because I, I go bald very soon <laughs> This is one of those matches where if nobody knew what pro wrestling was, or I told somebody, oh yeah, well, you know, I wrestle, like, you know, on the weekends or whatever, and they say, well, I, you know, prove it or whatever i would show them probably this match because that's how uh that's how good i thought it was so it was a good time and brandon was always solid in the ring at least <laughs> yeah yeah no brandon brandon's a, a really great performer he, he really is um always there's just some guys that you just have chemistry with and and you click and over the years we, we, you know we became you know pretty good friends uh he even invited me to his wedding earlier this year i can't attend but <laughs> You know, people that you meet and you go, who the hell is this guy? You know, and then get invited at a wedding years and years later. It's a, it's a crazy world, this wrestling business. We have one more match to talk about before we go to break here. And it's another match with Lance. And we are now, again, we mentioned earlier, in the middle of a field in Hamlin, Pennsylvania. It is match 713 on August 17th, 2013. Is it the big dog daddy wiener hot dog? Dog fest, daddy fest, or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the middle of a field. Uh, did we get changed in the, the Penske truck? Wasn't there, like, a big yellow truck that everyone got changed in or something? It was either in it or behind it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's just, you do, like, one of those one of those shows at, like, a festival or whatever. You just go out there and have fun and... It wasn't really a complicated match with him. I remember the the special <laughs> surprise guest was Rikishi, and the only reason I'm laughing is because <laughs> me and Cradle did this thing where we were leaving. We were pissed off and we were leaving or something like that. And so we're backing up towards the, there's no entrance ramp, but the grass ramp, the grass entrance way, and they cue Rikishi's music. And we're the dumb heels. You know, you got to play the, huh, what? What's that sound? And we all know it's his music. And <laughs> it's funny because the wind was blowing the curtain. At this point, C4 just had, like, the, the little metal stand with the black curtains on it. It was just blowing the curtain. You could clearly see it was Rikishi behind the curtain. And he was just waiting for a certain part of his music. And then he stormed out and just gave us a big double clothesline. So... Indie wrestling, man. But I always like stupid. Uh, another reason I like being with Cradle is uh, we. I always love doing like the stupid comedy bullshit. Is funny, but it's not funny. I think it's like a, I don't know an example of that. And what's funny <laughs> is um, 
earlier in the day. Like, it's not like, wait a minute, Rikishi's here. What are you talking about? Rikishi had been there all day. <laughs> yeah. Rikishi was signing autographs in the pavilion before the show. Like, it's not like it was this major surprise. Sometimes the intelligence level, the intelligence level of the heel is just like, what's going on? You know, at some point, me or Cradle's character probably would have had to have interact or seen him or know that it was his music that they played. You just got to look around and go, huh, what? What's going on? Who's this? What? And then you turn around and you just get, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's funny, but. Wait, this guy who's been here all day is here? Yeah. (laughs) And and actually, the other thing, Matt, that I remember real quick here is uh, on this show is there was a certain somebody who for a few months they kept talking to me about there's this company that they're going to re restart or whatever up in the uh, Scranton area, like Wilkes-Barre Scranton area. They're going to restart it, and they wanted to know if I wanted to be part of it. And I didn't think I was good enough at the time, or I didn't have enough experience. Because the only the only company I was WXWC for, and then uh, this person's name was Matt. <laughs> And uh, he finally convinced me, like, you should just come up to this first show that we're doing, which was a week after or something like that. But anyway, you wanted me to uh, do a promo in the field. And I think we tried twice, but a a choo-choo train. I was going to say a choo-choo train. A train (laughs) uh, went past both times and blew the whistle. And I think we just scrapped the promo. But yeah. I remember that. And we will actually touch on that company called Grand Slam Wrestling in just a moment when we return here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Hi, this is Anthony from the IWEP Network. We're a collection of weekly podcasts that vary in all different types of topics. We can be found on all social media, as well as any podcast or music app that you may use, as well as YouTube. We go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch every Friday and Sunday. Here's a lineup of our five shows that you may be interested in. Interviews with Everyday People. Interviews and conversations on a positive note and just getting to know each other. Everyone has a story. Bangin' Beers podcast, beer reviews, hanging out with some friends, and much more. Truth behind illusion. Are you into ghosts, monsters, conspiracy theories, and more? Then this show will be for you. Tornado Tag Podcast. Pro wrestling stories, news, and show reviews. We love supporting indie wrestling, so come check us out. Not Cool in High School Podcast. A pop culture show where we cover movies, television, comic books, and video games. A weekly topic. So come hang out with us. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on all social media, and we'll see you soon. We are back here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio with the Chopsaw Outlaw, Bo Nakoda. And before we went to break... We were talking about a new company that you were going to start working for called GSW. And you make your GSW debut one week after that show in the field. It is August 24th, 2013, in match 715. You are going one-on-one with Mark Krieger. Yes, I remember. And these are just my honest opinions. And they have since changed. But uh, I remember pulling up to the venue. And I really did not like the music east center and i'm a really weird guy i base i base venues off of how good like i think their restroom facilities are and stuff (laughs) as well as where you change but mainly where i go to the bathroom at and i just really i just wasn't feeling it like i I had that thing in my head like I, i i'm so so glad that i did it and i'm so glad that i was invited and i'm so glad that you kept asking me to do it and then i also felt a little bit 
at the time, like an outsider in the regards that other than WXWC4 at that time, I didn't do anything as far as like wrestling. So all these, I, I, I pronounce it or say it as, oh, I know it's N-E-P-A, but I say NEPA. All these NEPA people like knew each other. You guys were all like a, a core group of friends for years. I just felt like nobody knew me. I didn't know anybody else. And then I ended up meeting Mark Krieger and um, just treated me so well. And I think it was one of those things where he didn't have to. And I don't know, maybe somebody told him, like, I was a little bit nervous or not, but he just listened to my few ideas that I had. And he just went out there and put in all his stuff that he knew would work, like interacting with the crowd and stuff. I think he even went into the audience and just very, very solid. It was the perfect way for me to dip my foot into the water of like another another company and not be overwhelmed because I, I, I really liked it after that. And I think I kept coming back every show since or whenever I could. But, yeah, I just remember it was it was a really good match. Absolutely. And you'd pick up some steam really quickly. And what do you know? We're doing the undefeated thing again. And that continues until we get to Kicking It for Joe, uh, Grand Slam Wrestling in Nanticoke, Pennsylvania. And we're going to pair these two together because I enjoy both of these matches as, like, one story. Match 766 in Nanticoke, you're challenging Andy Hedder for the heavyweight title. And then May 17th, 2014, back in Music, match 767, you're challenging Hedder in a Lumberjack match for the heavyweight title. Now, hold on, Matt. Weren't these matches flipped? Flipped? Wasn't the Lumberjack first and then Nanakook was second? Am I remembering that wrong? You are remembering that wrong because the Lumberjack match was the rematch because you lost your undefeated streak in Nanakook. Then you said, I want a rematch in my kind of match, a Lumberjack match. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kicking it for Joe was like a seven hour show, was it not? It was. And you know what I remember <laughs> from that? So, Kicking it for Joe happens and you bump me. <laughs> And um, my sister was working as the commissioner at that point. Yeah. So the match happens. And her response is to come out and say on the mic, who wants to see this match start again from the beginning? Uh, and everyone's like, everyone's like, no. <laughs> and do you know why? Yeah. Because this is match 10. On a long, yeah. long ten match show, so everyone's response it to that was, was really long show. no. Everyone's response to that was no, thank you. Yeah, no, I remember, and then I had to restart real quick, and it was like a a roll up finish or something out of nowhere. I, I feel like a lot of people, and this is a good thing. Like when I talk about them, I sort of just say the same things, but it's true. Very easy to work with. Very nice guy. Um, listens to my ideas, puts in his ideas. Uh, knows his psychology well, very safe. He's one of those names that, like right now, if I had a show tomorrow and I had no idea who I was working and I walked in and his name was across from mine on the on the paper or the book, hey, man, easy night. You know what I mean? But um, the, the next one that I had with him, the Lumberjack, that was out of the two, I like that one better. Again, I remember the dumbest things. I remember the ring. Wasn't the ring, like, pulled close towards the stage? During the Lumberjack one, and it made it just seem like the building was more full based off camera angles or something. Yes. yes. And then uh, just 
the whole atmosphere of all the other people just around the ring, really, because people are sheep. And when the other wrestlers are reacting and doing stuff, the people are going to do that, too. And, um, uh, yeah, and then he beat me clean in the middle there. And there's like a big dot, it was a big superplex spot or something. Yes, where everyone, you, you got, you got superplexed onto the pile. And, yes. um, my memory of this is that I was still one of the bookers at this point. And okay. here's what I told you guys to do. And I quote, I want you guys to have every single stereotype. Yeah, every single ladder match stereotype that you can yes. have, uh-huh. please get it into this match. <laughs> yes. And you did. And uh, see, the, here's why I think they were flip-flop. This wasn't the one where I talked to uh, <laughs> uh, Coach Skull before, was it? No. That was a different show. He interviewed me at a different show because I think I remember challenging Andy Hedder or something. Oh, that would have been way earlier because okay. then, I don't know why that my memory meshes the two together. But. Well, I mean, you really just want to share that time with Kev. That's what that is. I just we just need like to take like forty, maybe forty five minutes to just appreciate Coach Skull and just hit him <laughs> and his character. <laughs> I just want to be brought into the next GSW show or whatever when they do another one more time and just like just like a 40 minute segment of just him and me talking. We can probably arrange that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> wait, 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 you want me to talk to Kev on purpose for a while? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could do for that. a while. It just says on the paper for a while. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, sure, I I can do that. Yeah, um, see, I thought they'd be the same night, but I guess I was wrong. But uh, no, that was that was uh, this one with uh, Andy Hedder, uh, the lumberjack match. It was, I really liked it. So, and then we go back to C4, and it is Sports Fest, and you are one on one with Lance in match 791. It's July 20th, 2014. Yes, this was important. Because, well, I guess the original WXW, um, before Pops moved to Florida, their biggest show of the year, I guess, was always Sports Fest. Yes. All, you know, all the storyline. And they would draw well over a thousand people, I guess, from photos and videos I've seen and from what people said. And then um, Pops moved to Florida. And Sports Fest was still a thing. It's just I don't think it was as big of a thing at that point in time. But still... I always thought this was important because I main evented this sports fest with Lance and it was one of the, I think only times in that event's history from what I was told that the heel, I think we went over. I think the heel, because Cradle was with me. I think we either beat him or we just left everybody laying because then Samu came in and we clocked him with the steel chair. Lance was out with the chair and then they had me drag Samu's daughter, Samantha, into the ring, and I gave her the backstabber. I remember and that. Everybody was pissed. From a fan standpoint, everybody was pissed. But that really, I mean, it's cool in a sense, too, that Samu uh, trusted me enough to drag his daughter by her hair, throw her into the ring, and then just drive my knees into her back. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I remember I 
was like, hey, I need to get bumped so all these things could happen. Because they were like, everyone's like, how are we going to do this? I'm like, well, Sean's going to have to clock me. (laughs) (laughs) And you speak of Sports Fest being a big deal. I remember I refed like three or four Sports Fest main events. Uh Uh-huh. And every single time I went out there, I was like, I can't believe this is what I'm doing. I'm at Sports Fest, and I'm about to go ref the main event. And I said it to Sam's wife once. Uh-huh. And she's like, she's like, well, of of course you're doing this. Like, this is like this is why we have you here. And she's like, yeah, it's a big deal, but you, you should be doing this. I'm like, I know, but it's still crazy to me that this show that was once main evented by The Rock and Mankind and Yokozuna – and is now like i'm going out to ref the main event of this of this like storied event (laughs) yes and and nobody can ever take that away from you which is you know something i thought about too with myself like i main evented it and i remember what two or three years before i was in both of the opening matches or something like that like in 2011 and 2012 and then And then somewhere randomly in 2013, but this is, I, I made it all the way there to the main event and he trusted me enough with his son, with his himself and with his daughter. And I do remember the fans, like they were super pissed off and it, it got, it got the reaction that they wanted. Absolutely. So. Now did cradle, did cradle clock you? Um, he had to have yeah. because like I had to not see what was going on. And I made the joke that like, Every time I ref the main event at Sports Fest, I got bumped. Uh, because there was the year where Moth was wrestling Gomez and I got splashed in the corner. And, like, okay. yep. legitimately thought, because I was a half step out too far to get splashed in the corner, and I thought my back got broken for, like, for real. <laughs> yeah. Because when Dan Moth hits you, it is very real. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, like, like the year before that, I had gotten bumped in the main, too, so I was like, Cradle, it's tradition. I have to get bumped in the main event of Sports Fest. I always love this character, too, because, like, uh, like, like he's a, he's a bigger guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, Paul Heyman's not bigger than Brock Lesnar, but anytime Cradle tried to get, and it's just his character, and he, he did it well, but every time, like, he tried to, uh, get physically involved most of the guys were smaller than him but he'd always chicken shit and get scared so i was wondering maybe if you had like like you know go gone to throw your fist or whatever he would would have pussied out and just ran out of the ring (laughs) well well i'm a ref so i am weak by default yeah yeah there's ref stereotypes too um, a stiff breeze knocks me over. Like my ceiling fan is on in my office right now, and um, I don't know how I'm not dead on the floor. You can uh, you can count to three and you're easily distracted. You got the job. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're 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 hired. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Speaking of being distracted, now we are back a couple weeks later in Orwigsburg, another Snitsky territory show, and this was. Quite the pairing, because you are teaming with Homicide in match 795 to take on Lance and X-Pac. And the reason I bring up being distracted is because X-Pac was not happy with me after this match, because Homicide distracted me for, like, 30 seconds. And then you got yelled at. I did. And um, 
aside to his defense, looked at looked at X Clock and said, "Chill." I was just having fun with him. <laughs> but this was, from what I could see here, like yeah, we had the match where Rikishi gave you the clothesline and everything in Hamlin, but now you're working with the bigger names. Yeah, um, X Pac, I've I've actually throughout the years faced three times. I think this is one of them, and. He was always super cool backstage. Um, really nice guy. And uh, Homicide, I, again, I'll say it again, I remember the dumbest things. But I remember Homicide backstage eating these this bag of mini Oreos. And he kept offering mini Oreos to people that were within earshot because he, he thought they were, like, the, the greatest tasting thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the match itself was fun. Um um, it was real easy. They wanted to work easy. I remember, I think we kicked it off with a promo or something, and Homicide got on the microphone a little too long. I want to say that rings a bell. And then later on in the night, we had the match. But uh, uh, Homicide himself was real easy to work with, too. Really nice guy. And then um, me and Lance knew each other at that point, pretty much like the back of our hand hands. So all in all, it was an easy night. Uh, I don't remember the crowd being as big as it once was there. But I'm not but sure. It was still a big crowd. I think this was also the night where uh, Snitsky had the the street fight with uh, with Brute, and they went all over the place, and that was a lot of fun. So it was your normal like Snitsky sized okay. crowd. Okay. This, this was another building that like you had to like go through the woods, and it was just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, kind of, like, but uh, the, the building itself had a had a decent locker room in the back. Again, I judge every building based off its uh its bathrooms and its locker room. Oh, this was a so. really nice building. It yeah. was just like way up a long windy road along a creek in the middle of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So now you're working for C4 regularly and GSW regularly. You're you're headline in GSW shows, you're headline in C4 shows. And Decker and I have this fever dream of an idea. <laughs> Uh, it's called the Turkey Bowl. And the Turkey Bowl is like a trio's Survivor Series deal where whoever survives the matches goes on later in the night to a final Eliminator-style match. But if there's four teams, like if four teams advance, then there's four teams in the final and even that's elimination until it's just one guy left. So it was a little it's, convoluted. It's really easy is what you're saying. It's, it's it, going to be a really easy night. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what we were thinking. But it became an yeah. annual tradition. And in the first Turkey Bowl, you're now a babyface in GSW. And you are teaming with Shane Storm and Dick Justice, the Dick Storm Outlaws. You guys didn't pull any brain muscles coming up with that name, did you? <laughs> that was... That was Dick. Um, that oh, was all Dick. Yeah. And you took on the team of Andy Hedder, Jay Freddy, and Kevin Graham, known as Freddy and the Jets. And that was... Oh, oh, oh see, that's badass. And uh, it was match 802 in the book, in music, November 22nd, 2014. This was the first uh, Turkey Bowl, or no? It was. It was the first one. Okay, man. I mean, the, the opponents that you just named, all all really great uh, workers. I I I really don't 
remember what went on though or who who went over or anything do you, do you remember i know you said you don't write it down but i remember this one for graham turning at the end oh okay that's what his heel uh, okay yeah and uh that was a, a heel run that would last for years yeah. All the way up to being the GSW, like, all the way until he retired, pretty much. Now, did did you guys know going forward that that was the plan there? Because what I, what I was getting into was the one thing that I really, really loved about GSW was you guys were all a bunch of friends that, that you know, just sat down and really made sure that everything had, like, a long-term end game. You didn't just come up with the card five minutes before the show started and expected, like, a five-star match out of everybody. You guys really, I think, I felt like you guys really planned well ahead in advance and could just, like, see where you guys wanted to go with certain people or certain storylines. And that always makes it more fun from a uh, performance standpoint anyway. And, yeah, Decker and I, we would have, like, a spreadsheet. Uh, Decker's big into spreadsheets. And (laughs) it would, um... Go like month. No, seriously, Decker's very big into spreadsheets. That is not okay. an exaggeration. And we we would have stuff planned months in advance. And then when Decker and I stopped booking, and Brad took it over, Brad was always long term oriented as well. So when we turned yeah. Graham, it wasn't initially per se to um, build him to the title necessarily. As much as it was, like, to... Organically happened. It it just kind of happened. We're like, Kevin was one of the best workers on on the roster. And when it came time to get the belt off of certain redacted people, Kevin was the right guy to do it. And then Kevin was the right guy because he had the right amount of heat to drop the belt to Vaughn. And then Kevin was the guy who had the heat with Phil to build all the way up to war games. So, like, it just kind of organically happened. But this match in particular was put together to be the spotlight match of the first round. Well, I'm honored now, having heard that. (laughs) Um, But then also, too... uh, the opposite of uh, like long term end goals. Sometimes it's just like a happy act because I think this is the first time I teamed with Shane Storm. I think, and yeah. I don't think it was supposed to ever be a thing, but then it, it turned into a thing, a really good thing. But I don't think we were supposed to be together. No, it just kind of happened, and like, so when Shane Storm debuted, he was a member of a team called Men at Work in Chikara where he yeah. teamed with um, Mr. Zero, who was a businessman, and Shane Storm is the is the traffic guy. He He's the PennDOT worker. So it really made sense for the two, like, blue-collar working-class characters to stay together. Yeah. And I remember Shane Storm was in this match in particular because of his history working trios matches, his history building these things and kind of, like, I, I wanted his experience as like a in like a ring general kind of way because he knows the building blocks of these six man tag matches, these trios matches, and I, I knew that like Dick's star was on the rise, and Freddie was always great, and I know what I said. Shut up, and <laughs> and like you were so, like you had just turned face, but you fit in with the group so well. 
And, like, we just knew that putting this combination of six guys together was going to work out as well as it did. I also, I also think, uh, I don't know if I'm getting this wrong, I thought Storm and, and uh, Dick were supposed to be a thing after that. But then Dick couldn't make it anymore or something. And then I filled in, and I'm glad that <laughs> Dick couldn't make it or whatever the story is. Yeah, Dick became a lot... Um less available as he began to like really build a name on the indies. So because we had the pairing of the three of you on this show, it worked very well to put you with Shane in the tag division. Yeah. I'm glad that happened. So, (laughs) but before we get there, we are back in Allentown and you're in another six man tag again with Dick as one of your partners. And, (laughs) But now you're on the heel side. Heel dick. Yeah. And he's and you guys are teaming with Brute, uh Brute Vance Lake. And they were like trying to like build up to be in like the Doc and Gordy of WXW. Yeah. And and you were with them and taking on the Punk Rock All Stars and again Nui is back in match eight oh six on December sixth of twenty fourteen. It was I I believe it was elimination. I believe it was as well. I think. And I know that they were trying to start something between me and Nui, like a three-month thing or whatever. I was – oh, I'm sorry. I was actually at this point – I had beat Lance in September in a tables, ladders, and chairs match for the, the heavyweight title. So I, I think I was the heavyweight champion here. And that was happening in September, and then Sean Cradle's goofball character – even here and so three months later he was still rocking neck, the neck brace because I guess he went through a table I remember that I always made me, makes me chuckle but uh yeah uh punk rock all-stars very underrated team I don't know how much you know about them I wrestled in several other promotions with them and uh especially at the time down in uh Maryland championship wrestling they were really huge and really really fun easy to work with guys I keep I feel like I keep saying that about everybody but it's true and um Newey, again, give me more Newey, and I'll be a happy camper. But uh the match itself, I feel like the eliminations happen like shotgun style towards the end. And then to continue the story, I uh Cradle tried to get physical again. <laughs> and then I remember Newey did something to me where I, I I take a bump and spread the legs, and then Cradle comes in and Newey, I think super kicks him in the face and he does the cell and my legs were spread so cradle head butt nut shots me by accident and that set me up perfectly in position and then uh newy newy uh made me submit with some submission that he was doing at the time but that's what i remember about it i remember this being a lot of fun and um, i remember it hopefully we were all hoping especially like dick and brute who were finally working together we're really hoping this was going to build to something for them. And I remember working with the Punk Rock All-Stars once or twice when they came through C4. There was a lot of talent exchanged between MCW and C4 at this point. Yeah, just uh, everyone's just trying to get experience wherever they can. So, And the good, the good thing about C4 is basically if, at, those, at that time, if you showed up, Samu would try to find a spot for you on the show. So. I- and I am always thankful for Samu for him allowing me to be a part of his show for so long. It taught me so much about TV wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And camera positioning and things that I still carry to this day where I'll be 
teaching kids about refing and I'll say, okay, here's the face corner and here's the heel corner and here's why. Here's why we do it this way. And here is how you circle as a ref because of the camera over here. And just the little things that you learn working those TV tapings that you just carry with you. I'll always be thankful to Sam for that. Yeah, I have like everything that's really happened to me. I owe basically to him and C4. And I had a a hell of a good time there from when I, I started to... I don't even remember when I stopped going or why, but... I had a good four or five year run there, uh, especially like I said earlier with uh, Sean Craig. He became like a really, really good friend outside of wrestling. So I'm always, I'm always thankful and glad for uh, my time. So and our time together at C4 is about to end here, and we're going to talk about one last match, and this one pops up again a bit in the future as well, where you you take some time off at C4 after you lose the heavyweight title. And in your return, I must have taken some time off here, too, like just in general, because I go three months and only work six matches. Um, So we go from match 806 to match 812, and you are against on March 7th, 2015 at WXWC4 in Allentown, the one, the only, the wild thing, number four, the maniac. Mike Vaughn. Well, I remember. <clears throat> I don't think my time off was that that long. I think it was just I couldn't do like a February show because I was doing Maryland and I was their champion at the time. So I lost the title in January to Alexander James. Do you, if you remember him, Alexander I do. James. And uh, it was sort of like a surprise finish at the end of the night because I had just beaten Newey and then he came out and challenged me. And it really did. It like stuff like that. You got to throw in on any show because it really pops the crowd. They didn't see it coming. And then we beat the refs up and we got suspended for February. But I was doing a Maryland show. And then March, I come back and I don't want to say in classic C4 fashion, but at that time, they 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 wanted my character to be super upset that I lost the belt and and uh, basically get, go go into a squash match with somebody, but they didn't know who yet. And I believe at the time, uh, Pinhat and you were always coming. I think Pinhat was still coming. I think he's just taking photos, though. And for whatever reason, Vaughn was with you guys this time because he normally never came. I suggested Mike Vaughn. Well, I can, I can wrestle Mike Vaughn because, you know, I knew I knew Mike Vaughn. And I remember RC saying, well, uh, I don't know about this kid. Can can he go? Can he have a match? And I said, yes, he can have a good match. <laughs> RC just didn't know him or anything. But, yeah, and then uh, – he did the thing where I guess he brought his gear and I, you know, I had him change it though. I don't, I didn't want to do like a minute and a half squash match and get on the microphone. I wanted to have a match with him. So I remember we started it and my character was super pissed off and he was selling really well. And, uh, the match itself was great. And both my character was pissed and Sean Cradle was on guest commentary. He was putting it over how, you know, pissed we were. And, and then the, the, <laughs> the finish happens twice. Well, it only happened once, but the first time he kicked out, he kicked out of the backstabber, which that was supposed to be the end. And then I, I sort of didn't know what to do, so I just picked him back up and hit it again. And he was he was real apologetic about it afterwards, but I really wasn't super pissed off or upset about it. You know, stuff happens, but it really it really surprised me in the moment that he kicked so, out of it. So Mike is one of my closest friends. And 
And I'm not, I'm not going to bury Mike on this podcast. I would never do that. <laughs> I would um, never. Like our kids are really close. Like his, um, like his daughter and Avery are very close and, um, his, I guess, stepson now, um, and Avery are very close. And I would never, ever, ever bury Mike. Ever. That said, he got a little lost in the match and <laughs> just instinctively kicked out a two. And I remember everything had been going so well. Like, I remember he came out to a rancid song and he had never been in this building before. And got yeah. a standing ovation when he oh, walked I, through the curtain. I think he was a little bit, just a, just a little bit nervous, too, because in the beginning, there was like a little bit of a flub there. But we covered it up really good. But I think he was just a little bit nervous. But uh, I didn't know that uh, he never wrestled there before in that building. He, uh, I don't think he, or if he had, it had been years and years and years. Okay. And he came out, He I, he's like, Matt, what music do you have in your car? I'm like, I have Rancid. He goes, yeah, I'm going to come out to Rancid. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> So Rancid hits, he comes out, the crowd pops huge on their feet for this guy that they don't know. And maybe, maybe like, maybe they just really like Rancid. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they just hate you that much at that point. Maybe they were just <laughs> excited for someone new. But like, Mike was like really over. And I remember you hit the backstabber and Mike kicked out and you looked at me and you said, and I quote, what do I do? <laughs> oh man! And I and I said, and again I quote, uh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> do it again, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you got you got up and you did it again, and he stayed down. I remember Sam was a little bummed out about it. And here's the thing: your finish was so well protected in WXW. No one had ever kicked out of the backstabber that you would give him before. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Until Mike did it by accident. <laughs> ah, I'm sure they could edit it out. <laughs> um No, I think they kept it in. And I think yeah. Cradle's on commentary like Cradle's like, What? He's like screaming on commentary. He's like, Do it yeah. again. <laughs> so it worked out well. And um that was the last time we'd worked together in C4, but we have plenty of other GSW stuff to talk about, and we'll do so after this quick break here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. I'm Jason. And I'm David, and we're the hosts of the Non-North Sports Podcast, where the home of sports talk for everyone. Join us bi-weekly as we talk about the happenings in sports. You can find the Non-North Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Greetings, folks. Do you like beer? Do you know who I am? Maybe not. My name's Kev, also known as Irish Kev. And my dear friend Rick and myself actually really were supposed to have a cool promo for our beer review podcast known as the Hooligans of Hops, where Rick and myself take you through a drunken journey of all of the beers that we try. On a scale of 0.25 to 5 being the best, we talk about the best and worst beers we've had on the show. In between, you hear sports banter, some wrestling, and I don't know anything that happens when we get drunk. So check out our show on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, Buzzsprout, and anywhere you can get your podcast sources. We'll try not to get drunk next time and do something for you. But here's the promo. Thanks. 
And we're back here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Rathmats are online. Bo Nakoda hanging out with you here on a Monday morning, uh, talking a little bit of hockey off the air during the break here. And I'm uh, getting some texts from uh, from Irish Kev, better known to the wrestling community as Coach, Coach Lee Roy Skull. Um, the first winner from season two on the A-Show here on CKCC Radio with myself and Chris Decker um, advancing to the Season 2 Tournament of Champions down the line. And Kevin and I are both Bruins fans, and this is where Bo and I part ways. <laughs> because Bo is a fan of the stupid Philadelphia Flyers. The Philadelphia Flyers, that's right. <laughs> We're recording Friday night, and Kev texted me just now, because the Islanders and Tampa just wrapped up and kind of pulling for the Islanders because they beat the Bruins and anyone but Tampa, you know, that kind of thing. But now the Stanley Cup Finals are Tampa and Montreal. Do you remember this is related, but not it is related, but not. Uh, I think it was last season. It was the Flyers versus the Bruins. I want to say it was Marchand. I think it came down to a uh, shootout. And I th- was it Marchand? It was uh, they had the score to win or t- or something, and he goes he goes to skate up towards the puck, but he nips it with the tip of his skate, and they Ugh. they called that. A, you remember that? Was that my they, they called it a shot on the goal, and everyone started laughing at him. They I, I remember it. that. I had forgotten yeah. until right now, so thanks for that. <laughs> You're um, welcome. That was almost as terrible as how badly the Flyers lost to the Bruins in uh, Lake Tahoe. Yeah, but uh, the one I mentioned was funnier, though. I'm, I'm trying to go for comedy here to spice it up on your show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was plenty of comedy. It was called watching the Bruins try to play defense when they were playing the Islanders. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> But that's what happens when um, Chara leaves and Tory Krug leaves, and they had at least advanced, though. They did, and they yeah. beat Washington, which I pretty significantly dislike the Washington Capitals for so many reasons. And like, ugh. But just the Islanders were the better team when they played. But I guess the Islanders can't beat Tampa. God forbid anyone beat the fucking Lightning. So neither. So, so neither of us are watching the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals then. No, I will not. Be. The Flyers didn't even make the playoffs. Like they yeah. were just not that good. Yeah, just a- any Philly sports team. They always start out strong, and then they just <laughs> that was a bomb. Yeah. So now back to the wrestling talk. <laughs> um, Kev says, "What's up?" By the way, I'll tell him later of the plan to have a forty-five minute segment with him. Bump it up to an hour. Uh, I changed my mind. <laughs> I, I approve it. I'm not booking, but yeah. I approve it. So you formed a tag team with Shane Storm at GSW, became the tag champs. And there's only a couple matches that we worked together, you and I, during this run. And we're just going to talk about the experience of teaming with Shane Storm in general. October 10th, 2015. In, both of these are in Muzik. Um, one match is against the world-class gentlemen of Blaze Daniels and Johnny Moran, the Impeccables, and the Falcon Corps in match 847. And then in match 902, uh, February, I'm sorry, June 11th, 2016, it's uh, you and Shane Storm against the Takeover, who were the Falcon Corps, the Stamper Task Force, and Deconsentes being Dante, Dracon- Dante Draconis and Bones. 
So let's talk about team with Shane Storm. What was that experience like? Well, for starters, I never once at this point, I believe, wrestled as a babyface ever in the history of ever. So teaming with uh, Shane Storm, he had all the experience and he had all the knowledge of doing stuff like that. And it sounds stupid, but like at this point, I never had to give a comeback or I never had to do the opening shine or anything like that. I was a little bit lost at first, I feel anyway, um, at doing stuff like that. But as far as like trying to come up with ideas that float and makes, um, I don't feel like me and Shane Storm ever had an off night together. This one match uh, that you mentioned with all these teams in it, it just seemed like overnight there was like an influx of all these teams in GSW. And these were newer Newer guys to the scene. Am I right or wrong on that? I feel bad I mean, if I'm wrong. You you definitely are right because world class gentlemen and impeccables were backbreakers students who were just trying to get their feet wet. Yeah, I think I even a few times at some of the shows saw the impeccables working the cameras or whatever. They're taking photos or helping out, like stuff like that. So yeah. all of a sudden, there's there's all these teams, and um, you get four teams together like that. It does become a little congested and, and clustery. But um, uh, I'm glad that I had Shane there with me to help kind of steer it because, like I said, a lot of them were newer. And um, I really liked teaming with Storm too because, from a fan standpoint, an inner fan standpoint, from myself. I almost felt like we were sort of like <laughs> like a dude love Steve Austin type team. <laughs> I don't know why I just, I just I just saw that like in my head. But um yeah, a uh, really great guy. I was super bummed when the GSW had the one night show or whatever and he wasn't there. Yeah, I, I feel like he could have been in that rumble and we could have had like a moment or something. I remember you texted me cuz Part yeah. of my job at GSW was the guy who gets in touch with Bo. <laughs> <laughs> and because you don't have any social media. And we we speak regularly enough that, uh, like, Brad would just be like, hey, Matt, text Bo. And uh, yeah. make sure he's good for all these dates. I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I'm going to be talking to him anyway. Yeah. So uh, you were asking me, we were going over the plans for the for the one night only. And you're like, oh, is is uh, is Storm going to be there? I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. And you were you were pretty bummed about that. I was because I felt like like I don't know what what the the story was as far as if he's retired or not. But I feel like at a Royal Rumble type thing, it's it's easy enough, and he could have had like a moment or or two there, and it would have been fun. And uh, I'm sure the the longtime fan the company would would have understood it. I was actually this match right here, by the way, uh, in October. I think we were the champions, and I think this is the night that we lost the, the tag titles. But I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Well, the Impeccables. Thinking back, the Impeccables won and lost the belts at some point, but it was way earlier in the year, I believe. Me and Shane had won them. In a gauntlet match. Yes, I remember that. I don't remember when or what year it was, but I want to say we lost them in a four-way to these three other teams. I think it was this night. But as far as the teaming with Shane Storm, at some point soon, I ended up turning on him. And I always felt 
I think I did express this too. I thought that there was still more gas in the tank, but I wanted to, I had no problem turning heel and uh, I wanted him to turn heel with me and I wanted to turn him back into stigma. But I think somebody told me that he, he probably wouldn't want to do that or he turned already. Why turn on a turn or something? But yeah, I, I, those GSW days where I was a face cause it was new and it was exciting and then in the team with Shane Storm because it was freaking fun. Like, those are some of the best memories that I have in wrestling. So I hope he's doing well. He is. I, I speak with him uh, from time to time. So according to Cage Match, <laughs> you won the GSW Tag Team titles from Mark Maverick. Oh, you won them in the gauntlet. Yeah, it's the gauntlet with a bunch of teams in it. I don't remember when, though. I have no idea when. It was May 9th, 2015. May 9th. Okay. And you lost them in this tag match. Yes, we did. Though, for some reason, it says that they were vacant in September. Well, you can't argue with cage match. I mean... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, hold on. This is... Oh, you know why? I don't. They were held up because at the Blackjack Brawl the month before, there was a double pin draw. Was I a part of that? It doesn't sound like something I'd be a part of. Um, But no, that wouldn't be vacant. You would just lost them the next month. Um, And then that's when Clay and Sean cashed in Aggro Cup and Clay broke the Aggro Cup on Kit Ref's head and they won the belts. Okay, that all adds up. Okay, thank you, Cage Match. (laughs) God bless you, Cage Match. <laughs> uh, so you do some other stuff here in GSW, and um, after you lose the tag titles, you strike back out on your own for a little bit, and you are taking on Brute Van Slyke in match 867 at the Music Youth Center. That's December 11th, 2015. I remember I brought uh, Cradle to the show, and I think he was even on commentary during the show. I talked him into it, yeah. Yeah, he has a good time doing that. I don't know if he was being difficult with you but he loves doing that he wasn't really yeah okay he loves that shit so yeah um a match like this i typically don't like working bigger bigger guys but with brute it really helped me because again i was still newer to the whole babyface thing it really helped me learn on the job so to speak like moving around and feeding around for him in the ring and bumping for him and just making him look big and then the stuff that we came up with, it really, the way the match flowed, I really liked it. And he's sort of like me in the sense that I don't like the way that pro wrestling sort of headed. Like with this, uh, it's turning into like a Cirque du Soleil, trapeze artist, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, clown <laughs> stunt thing. And he's just old school is what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say. Like with how you put stuff together and how you uh, make a match flow. And I always got along with them, so piecing together stuff wasn't hard, and the execution of it was really good. This one, I, this was solid. I think this was just a solid match. And you're always going to get a different experience working with Brute than some of these other smaller dudes. Well, I, I had worked him a few times, I think once before and then once after this. I think this is my favorite one with him. This one right here. I, I enjoy getting in there with Brute. I'm a little bummed that uh, the Excite Wrestling Seminar for July 3rd got canceled uh, this week because I was looking forward to getting back in there with them. Because it's been a while, obviously. Uh-huh. 
Um, but Brute is always a good time in the ring. And if you haven't, go back and listen uh, last season of By the Numbers here. The episode of this show with Brute Vance Lake is so much fun. And now that you've worked Brute, now like you have a pretty steady uh, run here with some New York guys we're going to look at here. We jump ahead to May 14th of 2016, and you work back-to-back, and we're kind of capitalizing on you being a babyface here, because Timo with Shane Storm made you a pretty strong babyface in the company. You are teaming with Jay Freddy to take on the Stamper Task Force, which were, um, they were Tucker Riley and, um, Rod Wilder. Okay. Yeah, um... In 895, and then in 896, you work Freddy after he turned on you. <laughs> yes, I remember that they were very green at the time, and they were obviously they were Phil Stamper's uh, bodyguard type characters. And I think uh, once I lost the, the titles of Shane Storm, we still did the thing where I'd wrestle singles or he wrestled singles. We were still buddies, like we'd accompany each other and still tag some of the times, but he couldn't make this show. And then uh, Jay Freddy came back from, I guess he was gone a while or something. He'd gone to Japan. Oh, yeah, there it was. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's one hell of an excuse for, for being gone. But, yeah, yeah, that's where he was. And then he came back, and uh, I had to introduce him as my special partner for the for the evening. And the Stamper Task Force um, ended up pinning me, I believe. And then... I guess Freddie got pissed off and then turned on me, and then we had like a little impromptu match, which again is just basically me uh, selling around and feeding for him because they really tried to get him as a heel. They wanted to do this heel turn on him, but just like Mikey Valentino, he he can uh, play both parts really well. I actually, Jay Freddie is a heel though. I think he was really good as a heel, but but uh, he he really didn't have like a heel run there or something. Wasn't he gone soon after that again? He was, because he was getting booked in Japan. Uh, okay. <laughs> again. And also There's his day reason, job. Yeah, they turned him heel. Okay. I just don't remember him like having a heel thing going on after this. But working with Freddy, Freddy is an intense dude when you get in there with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But even, like, last month I worked a match with Freddy in New York at Excite. And it was, like... He's still just so, so good and does everything with meaning and everything with purpose and, like, really thinks things through. Yeah, you see that actually a lot in the uh, the New York the New, the New York crew that you mentioned. So, I don't know. I assume they all trained together. Uh, I don't they know did. Story. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, v- very little wasted motion. Stuff makes sense. Easy to piece stuff together with, so... And the last part of that crew that we'll talk about here, you get a shot at the GSW heavyweight title at the Blackjack Brawl in September of 2016, September 10th. It is you against Kevin Graham, one-on-one in music, match 915 in the book. Uh, it was, it, this was the, uh, what the hell, the Blackjack Brawl. I remember that. Yeah. Because I remember, I, again, I, this is like the eighth time I say it. I remember stupid things, but uh, you guys did that video package or whatever. At the start to the Franz Ferdinand song. I don't know if you remember that, but yes, yeah, it really it's, it's it really made the show like it seemed like it was like an important show and everything. And just like Brute and just like Jay Freddy, uh, eat an easy day, an easy night, 
just because it was it was Graham doesn't really doesn't fight you on any idea you have as long as it makes sense and uh, the execution is always flawless. And from a fan standpoint, because I'm a fan of uh, stuff going on in the companies that I wrestle for, and I know we touched on it earlier. See if there was like a long term thing. If you guys knew, like Graham was gonna be the heavyweight champion in this and that, and uh, I really loved when he turned heel and just the, all the momentum that he had. And I re- actually really liked his character when he switched over to wasn't he wearing like unicorn and rainbow tights and stuff later oh, on? Oh yeah, that, that's heel. later on yeah. as we get yeah. into like the old Forge days. Like his his gear got real ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I just, just kind of uh, like really evolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. But uh yeah, I, I do remember this one. I remember I remember the youth center that night was freaking on fire as far as the temperature goes. It was just hot as shit. I do remember that, but yeah, it's the end of the summer, so what are you gonna do? But uh yeah, just solid uh solid match. The crowd was really into it. The crowd was into the whole show. It felt like an important show, so Yes. And another important show was GSW fifty. And at GSW 50, you turn on Shane Storm. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And a couple months later, we are now settled into the new building in Old Forge, the GSW Arena. And we're going to touch on two matches here before we go into our final break. Uh, For one, there's a six-man tag on February 11th, 2017, you team with Mike Skyros and Jacoby Riddick to take on Shane Storm, Kevin Cartwright, and Dante Dio in match 939. And then briefly after you win the GSW heavyweight title, or shortly after, you take on Shane Storm in match 954 in the book. Again, in Old Forge, December, uh, June 10th, 2017. So whenever, I, like I said earlier, whenever we first got to music, I really didn't like it. And then when we switched to Old Forge, I really wanted to go back to music because I don't know. It's just, uh, um, it's like colorful and bright and light and it's just happy, like Vegas. And then you get to Old Forge and it, it just seemed like it was all dark and, and damp and it looked like a lemony snicket book jacket, book <laughs> sleeve or something. If, I don't know. It's just me. And <laughs> the bathroom situation was even worse. <laughs> um, this match. The six one six man with uh, Storm in there. I remember it ended because I took his mask from him. I think that was his idea. Yes, and that's that's what caused the pin. I, I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure he was supposed to like turn around for me so I could roll him up easy. And I I don't remember how I grabbed the mask, but it made sense. I remember it made sense. It was really cool in the moment. I don't remember how I did it, but uh, you know I somehow got her off, and I think he just hit the ground covering his face real fast. But it still sort of made sense because, from a character standpoint, so shocked about being unmasked that he even forgets like he's in a match right now. And his shoulders stay down through the one, two, three, so it worked. And then I was able to carry the mask the next couple months. So, yes, I was like that. From a heel standpoint, I was like that. But It, it was a big moment. I just remember that six-man tag was so good and just fired on all cylinders because – Skyros and Kevin Cartwright had their thing going on with the no Kevin's angle. Uh, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, okay, I remember that. That's <laughs> funny from, like, it's so ridiculous, but it worked. <laughs> and, like, just everything went so well in that match. And then just the finish, everyone's like, holy shit, he took his mask. 
And then and, uh, what? And then I faced him again. You said, the... yeah. Um, so you had just won the title from Vaughn, I think the week prior, and the setup for that was really cool because during the War Games intermission, you had lost a number one contenders match earlier in the night to Gran Akuma. Okay. And during the intermission, you went over to commentary. And Pete DeLong was talking uh, just about the next month. Uh, it'll either be Kevin Graham or Mike Vaughn defending against Gran Akuma. And he mentioned the open challenge of backbreakers. You're like, huh, open challenge, huh? I remember. Okay, yes, and, I do remember that. And you just walked away. And I remember reading some, like, re- re- reaction on Twitter. Because we were getting some – we were on IWTV and everything was going really well. And I remember people actually – immediately saying, oh, so Bone Dakota's one in the title of Backbreakers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, they weren't um, wrong. No, I they did. weren't. <laughs> and, and we had been building to that for a while. And then you win the belt of Backbreakers, and you're supposed to wrestle Akuma. And Akuma hurts his knee. And taking couldn't his... Make yeah. Couldn't make it. And taking his place was fellow Chikara alumni and your number one rival... Shane Storm. I remember it was a it was a brawl is what it was. It was a brawl. And at one point he set me in a chair. I think I have a picture of it somewhere on my phone. But he set me on a chair and he did he did like the big senton rolling flip thing onto the outside, like onto that concrete area. And I remember, I don't, it's not it's not funny. He he kicked he kicked uh accidentally one of the fans i guess like right in their face because he didn't move or get out of the way but i i remember that yeah you know, shane brought that up when he was on the show a few weeks ago that he accidentally got richard yeah and... the the one that always made the signs and and he brought the the title belt or whatever yeah and yeah okay yeah yeah he he got he got him pretty good right in the right in the mush <laughs> and richard was just stoked to be a part of it yeah, yeah, I don't remember him being like like super upset about it, but just no. in the moment we're a little scared, but we're getting into the home stretch here. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna take one more quick pause. We're gonna come back and add true wrestling to the mix here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. It's the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. It's the place where the stars of today made their name. Now get the inside story of Ring of Honor from those that lived it with an honorable mention. Join Ring of Honor alumni Shane Hagedorn and his co-host Jeff Schwartz as they break down a classic Ring of Honor event every Tuesday and get the -the behind-the-scenes scoop and inside stories that you won't hear anywhere else. An honorable mention available every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. For exclusive bonus content, plus early ad-free access to every show, check out patreon.com slash an honorable pod. Back for the final segment here with Bo Nakoda on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. We are going to start to talk about true wrestling, but before we do, since we're bringing true wrestling up, we we only have a couple matches to talk about from there. But coming up on July 31st, True Wrestling Return, and you, sir, are half of the True Wrestling Tag Team Champions with Bull Hightower, and you have a title defense on that night. Let's talk and about that here quick. Who's who's the defense against? <laughs> oh, am I, like, telling you what your match is here? You don't even know. Well, I don't, I don't know the official word. I hear, I hear rumors as well. 
<laughs> okay. Well, from the desk of True Wrestling, I can tell you that you and Bull Hightower will defend the G- the True Wrestling Tag Team Championships on July 31st in Berwick against Silent but Deadly, Sean Silence and Big Aaron Nasty. Oh, uh, Bull's, Bull's got this one. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the confidence in the world. All that plus the uh, True Test Tournament to crown a new True Wrestling Champion. As it has been announced by True Wrestling that Trajan Horn has relinquished the True Wrestling title and um, has left the company. So we need a champion, and we will crown one on July 31st. You don't need new tag team champions because you already have those, and we're going to remain remain the True Wrestling Tag Team Champions. It took you a while to get there, though, in True. Because you debut April 29th, 2017, in a singles match. And you go one-on-one in Berwick in match 944 with Sam Adams, who is, like, the top heel at this point in in True. So this is my opinion, which means people can disagree, and they can say you're dead wrong. But it's my opinion that Sam Adams is probably the best worker in this area, bar none. I think nobody comes close. This was the match of mine where I really, really enjoyed playing the babyface role. Like, I felt like like I was Ultimate Warrior out there because of how good Sam did as a heel. He just has so much passion and energy and charisma, and he really sucks everybody into what he's doing, what he's saying, how he's doing it. And he just really... Loves the storytelling part of it, and we we all walk around backstage or, or pace around trying to piece together, like, oh, what's it going to look like in my own head? But he just takes it to another level. You just got to laugh whenever you see him back there because he's just so sucked into whatever he's thinking about. He's making all these guttural noises going over shit in his head, and then when you get out there, it's it's money. Like, it's just so easy and fun. So I I really, 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 really love this match. I really did. I think it was a really cool intro, like – because this is my first time there ever. And then they switched me heel, I think, <laughs> right after. But, but yeah, I really, this was great. And I think he even beat me with the backstabber, which he told me once I left C4 that that he was going to start using it because I was gone. <laughs> so <laughs> I still think I do it better, but it don't matter. I remember I was really excited to have you on board at True because we had been together in C4 for a long time and been together in GSW for a really long time. And now Sean and Aaron are bringing me into True and, and, and Dave at that point as well. And it was just great to have you as part of the team. I really, I really love being part of the team because True's legit. It's just like uh, GSW in the way that like, it's not just thrown together. They think of, of stuff like long-term goals, I feel. And again, like when you're part of the team and you're, you're on the performer side of it. It just makes it more fun and enjoyable to get into your vehicle and just drive there on a Saturday when you, you know, we could all just be doing other stuff and spending time like with our families or whatever, but it just makes it really fun knowing that you're part of a place that they get it, you know, if that makes sense. But it does. Yeah. It's just really, really fun. It's just a really fun atmosphere and there's no egos like or jackasses in the locker room. And just everyone just wants to put forth, like, the best effort. I really love their uh, – I don't know if they're probably not doing it this year because of, you know, the whole COVID thing. But their um, 
Fight for Miracle shows are always really cool. I always really love doing those ones. But True's legit. Yeah, everyone should check them out if they if they haven't yet. So I enjoy Fight for a Miracle as well. We've got plenty more matches to talk about in True, but we do have some more stuff in GSW as well from your run as heavyweight champion. We're going to move forward now to October 14th, 2017. We're in Old Forge, and you are wrestling Sean Silence in match 969. Uh, yeah, uh, Sean Silence um, here and then also in True, both singles and when he tags with uh, Aaron Nasty, another person that when his name's next to mine on the list, it's going to be good. It's going to be, it's, you're not going to pull any, any muscles or have to play a stupid memory game of what you plan out or what you want to do. And I think his style's very similar to mine, uh, from a physicality standpoint, which I like. I felt really bad though. I do, here's the one thing I, I do remember from this. I did, I felt bad because I don't know if they switched the ring or they used a different ring or something, but I remember it being extra stiff that night. And I think during his comeback, he wanted to do, like, three belly-to-belly suplexes. And I think I told him I was muffed. And I, I can only do, like, after the second one, I felt I couldn't do it again. And then he, he, he you know, he cut his comeback short just because I think my back was, was just really hurt. I think it was a different ring, or am I remembering that wrong? No, nope, it's I the same ring. Bitch? Or am I just a little bitch? <laughs> okay, um, you answered it. <laughs> no, it was always the same ring, so... Was Your interpretation face? may vary. And I, I was he face at this point? Because didn't he still have a manager? Yeah. So the okay. way the story went was Sean Silence tapped out in War Games. Okay. And cost the uh, Stamper Alliance all the titles. Graham blamed Sean for the loss. Oh. Which and then um, they did a thing with Chio's daughter and. Uh, where she came in to, to like, protect Chio from getting beat up. And Sean turned face with Chio to go against okay. Kevin. Okay. Well, yeah, um, yeah, you already uh, officially announced it. So I'm looking forward to getting back in the ring again with uh, Sean Silence, as well as as well as well uh, Aaron. Because I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good, and I know I'm going to like it, so... And Sean's another one of those guys. I've said it before, and I'll say it to anyone who will listen. Sean Silence, one of the most underrated guys in the Northeast right now. No, I would say so. Yeah. I remember when I first met Sean, I was like, wow, this guy needs a lot of work. And you know what he did? He worked. And he has made himself such a good wrestler. That's always good when people take advice like that, because a lot of people would probably hear that. And ah, everything I do is fine. I don't know what this guy's talking about. but I mean... I never pulled him aside like, hey, you need to get better. But, like, I just remember working some of his matches and thinking that, eh, he's all right. But, no, he is a guy that has really, really embraced who he is as a wrestler. Yeah, I really, you know what, I actually, I really like his team with Aaron. Aaron, (laughs) do you know your Muppets or no? I do. You know Sweetums? Yeah. Aaron always reminds me of Sweetums. (laughs) If nobody knows who Sweetums is, Google Sweetums. He just his demeanor, like he just reminds me of Sweetums, the Muppet. So Aaron's one of the nicest human beings on the planet. Oh, but he just yeah, he just reminds me. I'm not yeah yeah. Um, so last weekend we were camping. Uh, my family and the Decker family we went camping, and it was in sort of the area where Aaron lives. And he saw online that we were up there. He's like, 
hey, you're you're up by me. I didn't know you guys were coming up here. <laughs> uh. I was like, yeah, um, we love camping up here. It's real nice. And then it poured and we left because camping in a tent with a seven-year-old in a downpour in a soaking wet tent would not be fun. No, it doesn't sound like it at all. <laughs> but as you said, working with Sean and Aaron is fun. And you got to again the next month. At the Turkey Bowl, you are now forced to team with Mike Vaughn, who is still trying to get the belt back from you, and his Diamond City Kings tag partner, Matt Turner, and you took on Team True Wrestling, Cross Van Tassel, Big Aaron Nasty, Sean Silence, match 976 in the book. I remember it just being a little bit hard just because of the whole thing that I had going with Vaughn, because Turner was also face, so it was just one of those odd couple pairings where you had to plan it out where we weren't getting along, but we still had to try to win and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember how it ended, but this was the last Turkey bowl, right? There's never another one after this. No, this was the two night one. Oh, okay. I don't remember what night this was then. The first one, because I was not there the second one. I remember that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I remember about that. And then a couple weeks later, you got to work Cross Van Tassel again at True Wrestling in Berwick. Match and, 982. And that was for, he was the champion, right? Or no? I believe so, yes, because he had beaten Devin for the belt. Okay, but yeah, that uh, the crowd really, I, I felt the crowd was into it. And, and I had him before, and I know that he's a veteran of the scene for many, many years. And I'm glad that I got to work with him. And it was really, really easy. He's just like me, like that old school style where you could do cool things but make it mean something and not not just all flash but you, you get the you get the job done you get the the fans invested in it and he he really got the fans interacted in it too i think we did the thing where everyone chops me i think his daughter even chopped me i think and yeah he ended up uh winning with a uh, super kick that sounds right yeah and- yeah super kick and he's a local out there, so it helps that that's his hometown. And like, oh, okay, all right. On your way up as a heel in the company, doing good stuff, and that would pay off in a little bit. But you have one more match as as GSW champion for us to talk about here, and it's Mike Vaughn getting the rematch. And it is match number nine eighty three in the book in Old Forge, December ninth, twenty seventeen, the final show in the GSW arena. This, so this was it. Is this the final show ever? I mean, like, before the comeback, that one yeah. night. This was it, man. I remember he lost, and he was upset, and then he turned heel. Or he he turned heel later on in the night, or something like that. He reluctantly joined up with Commander Effects, the only Montreal Canadiens fan we know. <laughs> well, hey, good for him. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, mean, I right thought now, this anyway. earlier today. I was like, I guess congratulations are in order for your for your um, the team you support. He goes, they yeah. won't let me play. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta have him on here sometime. He is one of the most interesting people I have ever worked a show with, hands down. Isis effects. Yes, I'm trying to remember more about one match though, other than the fact that I guess he was upset that he lost. So so you're right. He joined. ISIS. Effects. Yeah. Com- oh, Commander Effects, yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify, ISIS Effects, not 
ISIS. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, clarify that. So that ends our time together at GSW, except for the one-night show, which we were only together in the ring during a battle royal, so I don't have that listed. But that was fun. So we're at the True Mill um, on Leap Day last year. Let's talk about that real quick. It's not really in the book, but it's the last time we got to share a ring together, you and I. It was a one-night-only show, and basically everybody that was on the roster was there. And they had, like, three or four matches or something like that. We had four matches, and we did the Blackjack Brawl. Oh, okay, yeah, the Blackjack Brawl is what it was. And uh, I came out last. Pinhead was supposed to win it, or you guys wanted him to win it, and then did he not want to win it? I, I, can't, I can't remember if he knew that he was going over or not. So we hadn't told him, and Eric does not like that kind of spotlight or that kind of attention. So we thought – we had concerns that he may not agree to win. And I remember you asked me, what's the plan? And I told you the plan. And you said, well, if he says no, I'm going to tell him he's winning anyway. I could have sworn I said, too, like, well, if it's if that's the case, I'm just going to accidentally slip and and touch the ground. So he wins is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, or something like that. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, and he did end up winning. And I remember earlier in the night, um, when we talked about, we, we did the promo with the Cub Scout pack, and you came out and you beat up John. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep, I remember. And, and the, 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 the Scout, ma- the Cub Master was in the ring, and she was like, what do I do? And I'm like, <laughs> just stay out of the way. Whatever you do. <laughs> because Avery was in the Cub Scout pack at this point. So both Avery and John's son, Logan, we're in together, and Avery has since moved on to Girl Scouts because she was, like, the only girl in the Cub Scout pack, and she's like, you know what? This isn't working out. Yeah. But it was a fundraiser for the Cub Scout pack, and Dawn, the Cub Master, was like, what do I do? I'm like, just stay out of the way. Whatever you do. Like, I was like, John will be in there with you. I'm going to be in there with you. We will make sure nothing happens, but God forbid something happens, just stay out of the way. God forbid. What, what does that mean? I would have turned on her like a like a rabid animal. <laughs> yeah, like, you'd, be like oh, okay. you'd be like, "Fuck you, Dawn!" Yeah. And, and you just splash her in the corner. Um, but no, like we we were just like, just stay out of the way. You'll be fine. And like, got like, say like someone slips, or like you get too much of a head of steam, and oh, now yeah, you're yeah. in the corner. <laughs> Stuff like that. But before we got to the true mill, we have couple more matches in True to work together, and this was a big one. Match 999 in the book. You were so close to being 1,000. Man. We are at the Mill Hall High School, or Central Valley. I forget the name of the high school exactly. Central Mountain High School. I forget. Um, and you, on March 31st, 2018, took on Billy Gunn. So this was called the Mill Hall Brawl. So it was called, but, uh, so I had just moved to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, actually, and this, this was only like 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes away, and, uh, I remember he, Billy, he was pretty unapproachable at first, but uh, he told me later that he, he just got out over the flu, uh, cause his wife had it real bad, and then he said, I, I really hope you don't mind, but we're gonna do a whole lot of nothing out there, cause he didn't feel well. He said it's just going to be a lot of fighting on the outside, 
and then he'll roll me back in the ring. We'll do like two or three moves, and that's it. And I said, eh, works for me. <laughs> so I I was honored that I was chosen for the that spot with him. I, I don't know why, because I think I was still a little bit new to true i think but that's cool that sean picked me for that it was it was it was just a really big brawl basically but i remember cutting a promo and then him coming out and getting the crowd even more into it and didn't didn't he didn't he like yell at you or say something to you during it he did i forget the exact words but i know he said fuck during it (laughs) i can't remember why he got upset yeah, I can't remember why he got upset, but I remember him saying that, and then you saying something to me afterwards. So, for the record, for those listening, that's two members of DX that don't like Matt now. They yell at him. <laughs> if, you, so. if you're keeping, if you're playing if you, the, if yeah, you're playing the whole version the of numbers the book, yeah. Um, and no, Billy Gunn, I had worked with him in the past at other shows, like years and years prior. And I knew that, like, he was just kind of off, and we had talked about it later on. Like, he was, when I got in the back, he actually, like, laughed about it, and we were joking around about whatever had happened. So I knew, like, it wasn't serious, whatever had happened. Like, I just kind of went with it. Yeah, I knew it wasn't serious, because I couldn't even remember what it was, but I just remember in the moment, he yelled at me or something like that, so. Yeah. This was the first night, too, that I met uh, Jeff, who would go on to manage me and Bull at True. Later on, but yeah. I had never met him before. Uh, Montgomery DeFranco. <laughs> I hope he comes back. I hope he comes back to True. But uh, I, I spoke with him recently. I'm sure he will be there. Okay, good. Yeah, because I really, I really like that pairing too of me and him. So yeah, I, I, I assure you that I, I would expect to see him on on July 31st. Yeah, good. As we head towards the end of our journey here together, we've got quite the match to talk about here. <laughs> we skip ahead almost a year and a half, and we're in Bloomsburg. We are at uh, the Columbia Motor Votech for Fight for a Miracle, and it's War Games. War, war Games with the, uh, the the plastic fence? The plastic fence War game match? The cage was not what we were expecting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was what it was, but... Uh... I think I think Bull was taller than it when he was in there. I, I was just going to say that Bull was taller than the cage. Yeah. And this was you and Bull and RC and Sage Matthews and Sam Adams. Yes. And you were against Trajan Horn and Rhino and Jason Furious and Brad DeMeo and Clay Drasher. I don't know if I could say, I guess technically I could say that I did a match with Rhino because you just named all the competitors, but I was already eliminated before he got in, which sucked. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I remember he was nice, a really nice guy. Again, I was like Fight for a Miracle. That was, you did say Fight for a Miracle, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was like Fight for a Miracle. Um, and then me and Bull wrestled, I think, at the first match of the night. And then we, we did the War Games thing. Um, I just remember before they had Rhino come out and do the thing with RCs, the majority of us were already in there, and they did the whole shotgun finisher eliminator deal. I hope the fans liked it. I'm sure they did, and you know what? I forgot a match on the list. What match was you mean? Because this is the one that set up Brad being in War Games. It was July 27th, 2019 in Berwick, the Titan Outlaws and the Diamond City War Machines in match 1061. Okay, uh, I remember just sitting down, whatever you guys want to do, we'll just do whatever. Very easy to work with. I don't think I ever, I'm trying to remember, I don't think I ever did anything with either of them before this. 
even after all those years in GSW. Well, keep in mind that Brad was out for most of it when you were there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. I don't think I had the opportunity to. So I like the pairing of those guys. And I remember I came up with a finish I think I did once in Maryland with fake chew spit or something in yes. Brad, Brad's face. I didn't think Brad was going to go for it. That's cool that he did, and I appreciate it. I, you know, and I would understand, like, this was before COVID and everything, but, you know, someone spitting in your face. But all it was was it was Coca-Cola mixed with water and uh, crushed up chocolate cookies is what it was. <laughs> it wasn't real chew. It wasn't real chew spit. But, yeah, I remember that one being uh, real entertaining and real fun. Fun. True has a lot of fun tag teams to wrestle, you know? Uh, yes. The Diamond City War Machines, Silent But Deadly, the Stepdads. Yeah, it's, it's a solid uh, – the Cashmasters, it's a solid stacked roster, especially the tag teams. So. And we'll get to the Cashmasters here in a second, but I will say, when Brad and Eric were on the show here, Brad put over that you were so willing to have to cheat to beat them because – He's like, who are we in true? And here, like, they have to take shortcuts to beat us. It makes us look even better. So they were very appreciative of the fact that you thought that you would have to take a shortcut in the match to to, to beat them. Well, the, the shortcut, it makes more sense because we're heels and it's more entertaining for the fans. And it, it, it continues the story. So I don't know why he – you're saying that he thinks that we could have just beat him with a move one, two, three or whatever. No, we, you got to continue the story. And you gotta you gotta stretch it out and make it make it interesting, and oh. that's why I'm glad that he did he he agreed to do the whole juice spit thing. It gave more it gave more fire to his character too for the war games because I think he even said when when he came out to war games I'm coming straight for you I think is what he told me which made sense yes yeah uh, just so. just that respect for them that you could have just said like. Yeah, you guys are only here for the first time. We're just going to beat you clean. But you actually ah, took the time to, like, come up with something like that. Well, yeah, I just want to have the most fun experience and outcome as possible. I'm not one of those guys, you know. And, and we spoke of the Catchmasters earlier. That's our last formal match together. Um, November 23rd, 2019 in Berwick. Titan Outlaws and Cashmasters in match 1088. Well, the fans love everything that those guys do, so it was a win from before it was or since it was announced. And then uh, teaming with Bull, I, I really love teaming with Bull just for a second. I always in my head envisioned. I think I even said this to him before. If you remember on the Looney Tunes, there was like the big bulldog, and then like the smaller yippy dog that would jump around the bulldog. Do you know what yes. I'm talking about or no? And he would always just be talking or whatever, and the bulldog was just. So I'm kind of more of, like, the louder, more obnoxious, jumpy one, and he's just, like, this stoic, pissed-off-looking giant guy. So I really like the thing that we got going, and I hope that that continues to last because there's still a lot of stuff there. Uh, We're still the tag team champions. So, But working uh, Clay and Sean is really fun. So I would really, at some point in the future, really, because it's never happened one on one with Clay, because I think that would probably be really good. But I agree, and we will get to do this again together, July thirty first in Berwick, Pennsylvania. True Wrestling returns uh, the the twenty twenty one True Test Tournament. 
Uh, it's called True Wrestling Homecoming, and you can be there in person. There's only 150 tickets available for the show, and they are going quick. Uh, check out True Wrestling on all social media for that. Are there any other shows coming up that you're going to be on, Bo? Not 100% confirmed, just rumors, so I can't really make like an official, hey, I'll be on this show, and then if I get that, nope, <laughs> it got... Uh, it got changed or my, my being on it got changed. But yeah, I was just, for right now, officially, I would say true is the, the show that I would be coming back at July 31st. And as of this airing today, that's also my next show. And then the, my show after that, I will be at IWTV 100, the 100th defense of the independent wrestling title at the H2O Wrestling Academy in Williamstown, New Jersey, on Sunday afternoon, August 8th. So I'm very excited to be a part of that. Cannot wait to be there. Also, here on CKCC Radio, you can check out The A-Show. It's me and Chris Decker. Every other week, uh, when By the Numbers is not on, on Mondays at 9 a.m., The A-Show is. And along with a guest, we pick a year and a promotion, and we do a draft, and then... We build a show based on the wrestlers that we drafted. Next week on the A-Show, Joey Image joins us, and we are drafting 1989 WWF. Congratulations to the Boar, who beat us pretty badly last week. (laughs) The results are now up at the A-Show on CKCC on Twitter. Um, As of this recording... I think Bohr has 95% of the vote. It's like the most lopsided vote in the history of our show. It's pretty sad. I thought I had a really good show, too. So that's not to say that Bohr's wasn't good, but I thought I did better than 3% of the vote. (laughs) (laughs) Also here on CKCC Radio, you can check out the Stupid Sexy podcast, the Nerd Table, uh, the Park Hopper podcast, the Ranking Tracks podcast, Motivational Moves, and so many other shows. Um, also, our friends on the soon-to-be-named network with We Need Wrestling, At Odds With Wrestling, Longbox Heroes, Porch Talk, Wings on Wings, Final Wrestling Place, uh, don't miss that one. And then the Final Wrestling Place guys also have their show on the North-South Connection called Viewer's Choice, where they do instant reactions to pay-per-views that just aired. We talked about Irish Kev earlier. You could check out the Hooligans of Hops, where he and Rick just drink a bunch of beer and then talk about the beer that they drank and other assorted items. I'm sure there's a lot of hockey ranting on Hooligans of Hops this week. I'm sure of it. And then finally, None Other Sports Podcast with Jason and David. They are airing on the same day as By the Numbers. So if you heard this... Go check out Not Another Sports Podcast as well. Final Wrestling Place is also on on Mondays. Uh, you can also check out Pod Van Dam, the Brain Wreck Podcast, all of our friends over at the IWEP Network, and I think that covers everything. Wow. <laughs> and once again, independentwrestling.tv. Use the code word numbers uh, when you sign up, and it lets Jerry know that you signed up through us. Two weeks from now, Rosh will be joining me, the Mastodon, here on By the Numbers. Most of that episode's already recorded, but we didn't finish it, so I'm just going to track him down in the next two weeks and finish it. What? Whatever happened to Rosh? He's back. Oh, yeah? And you can see Rosh at the Sanctuary Stunt Studio. Every other Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., they have shows up there in Hazleton. 
Mastodon is a big part of that production. Bonacota, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. I remember a while ago you mentioned uh, doing this. And I don't know what took me so long. I apologize. But and then uh, you brought it up again. And then I uh, really, you know, listened to a little bit of it from somebody, one or two of your other episodes. I really love the format of it. It's really original. I, I really like it. It, it, it uh, It's cool to talk about it, but it makes me feel so old a little bit, <laughs> knowing that all this stuff took place over a decade ago or, you know, some of it. So and it really just hit me when I was putting the list together today that we've known each other for a decade now. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, me too, every day. Yeah. So, until next week, for the A-Show, my name is Matt. This has been By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Thanks for listening. We are the glory boys. We are the glory boys.